Welcome, welcome to another episode of Edible Rx. I'm Laura Rodriguez, holistic chef, autoimmune warrior, and backyard farmer. And this is the podcast that teaches autoimmune warriors to use anti-inflammatory food as medicine. Today on the podcast, I just wanted to have a real, honest, raw conversation between two autoimmune warriors and parents that are working hard to feed their kids flare-free because they worry about the future of their children's health. Um, They want to protect them from autoimmunity in the future as best as possible, right? But no matter how long you've been feeding your kids flare-free, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? (laughs) It is difficult and there are roadblocks that come up and trials and tribulations that we experience and it can be difficult. So today on the podcast, I'm welcoming Dee Mystery to talk about these things that come up um, that we face as parents with autoimmunity, worried about the future of our kids' health, um, because we can't control everything, right? There's birthday parties, there's school functions, there's grandparents. <laughs> but before we get into this very important topic, I do want to go ahead and welcome you, Dee, to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today, all the way from the UK. So, <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I'm excited yes. for this conversation. So you are an arthritis Coach, health coach is that right um can you yeah about that? autoimmune autoimmune arthritis health coach okay. yeah so I actually have um autoimmune arthritis myself most likely psoriatic arthritis okay. um and I was diagnosed about seven years ago now um and before that I was working in the pharmaceutical industry so it's quite the transition for me to then sort of move to the more holistic health space mm-hmm. um yeah and uh, I have two children aged seven and nine now um they were sort of my driving force for this change in my life um and I really wanted to be able to do better for them I didn't see medication as a the long-term solution especially for autoimmunity um and they are doubly at risk because we have it on both sides of the family and in our family so um I just wanted to be able to do something um, other than just wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was plenty that could be done. I'm a biochemist and that's my background. So I was excited to just dig in and find out what was available out there. And um, I was amazed at my own journey as well, that um, within just four weeks, I was off of all my medication. Um, wow. Within two weeks, I felt amazing. I felt better than I had in 15 years. So it was such a huge transformation for me. And I knew that if it could do that for me so quickly, then it was possible for others as well. Wow. Okay. So you just dropped a whole bunch of amazing stuff on us. Let's break it all down. So you are a biochemist by training. You were in the pharmaceutical industry. Were you, what were you doing there? Um, So I started off in the neuroscience. Um, So I was working in drug discovery, looking for novel medicines for neuroscience. So things like depression and anxiety um, and other sort of disorders like schizophrenia and um, bipolar, things like that. Um, And then I moved on to virology. So I also did drug discovery within virology. Um, So I've had quite a varied background. And then I looked at um, the sort of more, I wanted a more of a big picture overview of what was going on in the pharmaceutical industry, rather than just concentrating on what was happening at the beginning. Um, So I decided to go and look at regulation. How is it being regulated? Um, So I worked, first of all, for the regulator. 
and then I went to work for a pharmaceutical company, um, one of the big farmers, top five farmers in the world. Um, and I was working in regulatory affairs there as well. So I got a very good overview of what was going on in the industry from both the, um, the government perspective and from the pharmaceutical perspective. And the more and more I saw, the more I saw there were gaps in what we were doing. Um, it wasn't really there to protect you know, people's health. And it wasn't what I wanted for my own family's health. And it wasn't what I wanted for the world even. Um, so I just felt very misaligned with it. And yeah, that's what led me down this path. Wow. So you are, oh, wow, you are like a true warrior for internal healing and you know healing from within and treating the root cause versus just slapping a medication and you know hiding the symptom or treating the symptom wow so let's talk about when you were first diagnosed um because did you were you on medication at first and did you find that it wasn't helping enough and then you switched to using food as medicine let's talk about what what you did yeah, so I started off um, resisting the medication because I had been writing this, um, the side effects into these medications for years. I had been reading all the clinical information about them. And really, the more I read about it, the more I felt like, hey, there's something missing here that we're just not focusing on um, because these diseases are so complex. So for me, it was a hard thing to then just decide to take the medication. I resisted it. I was in a very stressful job um, where my boss was really putting a lot of pressure on me. And she was actually telling me to take the medication as well. Um, my mother-in-law, who has arthritis as well, she was on medication. So I could see what the future looked like if I was to go down that route. It's not something that I wanted. Um, but I was also getting pushed from the in-laws and from um, my husband, you know, worrying, you know, that I wasn't really taking care of myself. Um, but... I felt like I, I would start with the medication for that reason, because I thought, well, I need to do something right now. And, and it did help at first, you know, and, and what helped was actually the um, steroid injections because they always feel great, you know, when you take them. And I knew that they would sort of have that immediate effect. But then I also had like really bad side effects with it. So I was feeling very angry. And it, so I was really dysfunctional as a parent because I would just fly off the handle at my children. Mm. They were still very small. So for me, that was a sort of, I had to get off it. It was a deal breaker. Um, and I was on sulfasalazine as well, um, which also did not work for me. And I was on it for months. They told me I had to try it for six months before I could then switch to anything else. Um, and I was to the point where I couldn't walk anymore. I was, I was only able to walk a few meters and then I'd have to sit down there was a park that I used to walk around every day um, and I used to be able to do two whole laps of the park I couldn't do even one I, I could barely you know walk a few steps without having to sit down on a bench and I was crying all the time because I was just so depressed so it just wasn't viable for me to stay like that and so I was off work and I thought I've got to do something different and I found functional medicine and started researching functional nutrition um and then I started the the a, a course with a functional nutritionist and um it really helped me a lot um within two weeks you know I felt amazing and then four weeks I was off all the medication so oh my goodness wow. yeah that, as well as meditation really helped me as well yeah, yeah. so it sounds like you had a very stressful job we know that stress can 
ignite autoimmunity. It can exacerbate it. So we know that um, that's where the meditation came in for you. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, so did you leave your job because you just physically weren't able to work or when you no. said I was off from work? Yeah, so I was off for work, from work for three months. Um, I then got back to work and stayed a further year after that. Um, but at that point, I had built up, built up so much resilience because of the meditation and because of the nutrition. I was actually at the most energetic and the most capable I'd ever been. So I actually felt empowered to leave. Okay. Whereas before, I felt so disempowered. I couldn't leave my job, even though I really wanted to, because I needed the childcare. I wasn't capable of looking after my children for a full day at home. Um, it was just too much. Um, so yeah, I had to get well before I could leave. And I felt that, you know, with the help of Occupational Health, actually, they sort of made yeah, encouraged me to start, you know, um, training in other areas. And so I started looking at free courses that I could do for myself there are quite a few free courses in the UK that universities run and I just started to do a few of those to learn some new skills um and that helped me to move out of the industry really but I felt the most empowered I had in like over a decade that's, that's why incredible. I left wow you have such an amazing story I'm so glad that you're on the podcast today <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm so happy that's to incredible. be here yeah because um before today I really didn't know much about you we had corresponded in the dms after I posted a video um yeah. with some tips on how to get your kids to you know embrace healthy eating habits and cooking habits and things and um you had reached out to me talking about how you know difficult it is and how we'd like to share you'd like to see more of the real difficulty part of it um because you're right I mean it's easy to talk about what you should do and how to do it it's hard to talk about when it doesn't work so <laughs> yeah and I struggle with it I still yeah. struggle with it now <laughs> the thing about it is it sounds like well let's talk about this first I'm sorry before we go into that let's talk about how specifically your diet changed um yes. what, what kind of were you eating what were you eating before and then what do you eat now and what do you feel like what really helped you as far as maybe things you mm -hmm. took out or things you added yeah, so, you know, the interesting thing about me is that I was actually quite good with my diet. I was I was always very careful with what I ate. I was a vegetarian for a long time. Um, I think just before I was diagnosed, actually, probably I'd been um, eating um, salmon and a little bit of chicken. By that point, I'd started reintroducing a bit of meat um, mm -hmm. because I felt like I needed more protein in my diet. But before that, for about 14 years, I'd been a vegetarian um, mm -hmm. and I was eating a lot of um, sort of legumes, um, vegetables, um my daily diet like my weekly diet would be like I'd eat a lot of spinach um we had a lot of um different color peppers onions um tomatoes things like that so they, they had a lot of nightshades in there but it wasn't something that was a problem for me um and we ate a lot of kidney beans and um lentils and dals and things like that a lot of Indian food as well so mm -hmm. a lot of spices and herbs mm -hmm. so it wasn't a terrible diet from uh sort of what the government recommendation is you know and I would eat dairy as well uh, but what I took out was um gluten and dairy and soy uh, which is pretty much um, the stuff that would be recommended by a functional medicine practitioner as well as eggs um this was for an elimination diet that's so supposed to be a short, sharp kind of 
um, elimination and then reintroduce and see what what isn't good for you doesn't seem to work at this point in time so that was the idea um so it's gluten soy dairy eggs and sugar were the main things and um I found during the elimination period because of the way I was doing the diet um I could see that there were other triggers like within that because I was rotating grains and things like that so I could see that grains were causing a problem as well um so it was quite restrictive when I came out of that phase you know the I came out of the elimination diet thinking what actually can I eat <laughs> so it was quite scary um and so it was mostly vegetables and meat um I was eating grass-fed organic at the time mm-hmm. um and um fish so um, salmon and um low mercury fish mostly um what else yeah so I wasn't eating any dairy I was eating like nuts and seeds and having nut milks and quite high fiber as well mm-hmm. but I found that my diversity in the food that I was eating increased after the elimination diet which I think is the okay. case for a lot of people yeah, yeah, so you maybe started trying some vegetables that you normally wouldn't eat or yeah, meat, rotating things. Okay, interesting. Introducing like more of the rainbow. <laughs> right, right. And so do you still eat um, grain-free and egg-free or have you been able to reintroduce those things? So eggs, I've just recently started introducing them again because I think the, the issue with eggs for me was that actually I didn't have the digestive enzymes to actually break it down. It wasn't so much that I was having an immune reaction to them, um, but some of the other foods like soy and gluten and most of the grains, in fact, I think I have an immune reaction to those, so I don't eat those. Okay. But yeah, that's been a sort of learning process. Yeah, so what I was thinking is because Like it just so happened to me when I first got into this, my daughter was only one year old. So I have pretty much fed her flare free from an early age, basically from the time she started eating solids. But it sounds like for you, maybe your kids were a little bit older because you've been doing this for about seven years or so. And so that's where I think the difficulty can come is when you have to actually change their diet as kids, you know, they can be quite, um, I don't like to say the word picky, but they can be quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're adamant about what they like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what yeah. they like, and they want to eat what they like. <laughs> yeah. As I had mentioned on my last podcast episode, there's very few choices that kids get to make for themselves every day. And what they eat is one of those things, right? You can offer them a plate of food, but what they physically choose to put in their mouth and digest is ultimately mm-hmm. up to them. And so I think when we take that away from kids, it can be problematic no matter what we're trying to change for them, right? Even if it's like they're allergic to something or what have you. So let's talk about some of the specific, you know, difficulties that you've come across. Um, you had mentioned like you seem to be doing okay at home, but it's when they're out away from your care that you struggle to keep them on course. Yeah. So I think, you know, every event that we go to, there's a lot of sugar available, you know, and um, at school, they often are given as birthday treats and a packet of sweets or something like that. Um, And I don't, I'm not very militant about it anymore. I was at a point where there will be no sugar, you know, Um, and I decided, okay, this is not a good approach uh, psychologically for them. Um, And I am very much about regulating the nervous system now, um, especially having experienced it myself and seen it for my son. So um, 
I try to sort of get the balance and that's where um, I think the problem occurs because it is just everywhere um, and you know the grandparents as well um, always want to treat them with sugar they, that's their way of showing love and kindness um, and we just had this issue this weekend where there was just so much there was just so much sugar it was unbelievable and because they're on school holidays I've been allowing them to have some at home as well <laughs> so it yeah. just felt like there's just too much of it and I can't quite get um the balance right for them um on a sort of regular basis this yeah it's difficult I think I mean the way that we've approached it in our household is we keep a variety of um flare-free sweet treats for them for for my daughter I say them I only have one I'm sorry <laughs> um, we all eat them though but like you know little candies that are made with stevia or um basically things like that, cookies, candies, sweet treats. Um, and then of course I always make a homemade like dessert, nothing like baked or anything, but I'll make like this week I made chia pudding. Um, last week I made a chocolate fudge, which is just coconut oil and organic cacao powder, you know? And so, um, she can have those after she eats her nutrients, right? So she eats lunch, she eats dinner, then she can have dessert. And we allow her to have that every day. Um, the only restriction we place on her is that we don't allow her to have like a sweet treat on an empty stomach. So if she comes in from the pool and she says, I want a snack, but then she's looking for the sweet stuff. We mm -hmm. know that she has a sweet tooth and she's wanting to eat something sweet, but we don't allow her to eat that on an empty stomach. So she'll have to eat like a grass fed beef stick or you know, some turkey or something, and then she can have a sweet treat. So we've kind of, we've embraced these kind of certain parameters that we keep, but then we allow her to kind of have as much as she wants to a certain mm -hmm. extent, because we keep these healthy, you know, no sugar or very low sugar um, desserts in the house. So that way she feels like she's in control still. And that seems to work for us. And then that way, when she does go out to a birthday party or, she, you know, something happens at school, or it's Halloween, we're not so worried about it because we know that when she comes home, she's going to have that balance already set in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I think it's a great, um, great way of dealing with it to be able to, you know, offer her some healthier sweet treats at home. Um, and I, I do try to make them, especially because my son also has a peanut allergy. Okay. So it makes it quite challenging, you know, sometimes um, to find sort of healthy snacks um that are sort of ready made um so yeah we try that and um sometimes it works i think they don't always like the recipes which and yeah. because their palate has very much been in touch with sugar and is regularly like you know, they, they're eating it regularly at school and um other places i feel that you know sometimes they don't find it sweet enough when i make it at home so how do you feel about like putting in extra maple syrup or anything like that? Do you do that? Do you do I, um, I highly recommend you make it taste the way that they want so that they actually eat it. So yes, yeah. I, if I serve the chia pudding and she doesn't think it's sweet enough, I'll absolutely tell her, go ahead and put some more maple syrup in it, you know? Um, but also allowing her to like, we'll make even toast with honey on it or, um, mm -hmm. Um, apples dipped in peanut butter with honey drizzled on that or almond butter yeah. or whatever um, and so I allow her to make certain things for herself so she can even control the sweetness too so that 
we don't feel so much pressure on like, oh gosh, I, that was a lot of honey I put on there. Just let yeah. them do it, you know what I mean? And yeah. um, I absolutely think that's a great, great idea to let them taste it and see, especially like say, say you're making the fudge or you're making like a no-bake cookie, like an oat, you know, an oat bite or a protein ball or something, get them involved in the process, have them taste it before you scoop and roll them all. And yeah. is it sweet enough for you? And if they want to do more sweet, but it's sweet enough for you, cut that recipe in half, let them add more to their taste. And that could be their batch. And that could be because I'm the same way. I don't like things too sweet. I can't handle it. But my daughter likes things very sweet. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, I think if we have the ability to, if it's not like a baking dish where if you add more stevia, we're going to ruin the ratio. Absolutely. Make it taste how they want it so that they actually eat it, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. I didn't realize that stevia could ruin a recipe as well. So that's interesting to me. Yeah, I think if we were to like up the stevia on something and it threw the ratio off, like in a cookie or something that might yeah, that might throw the the recipe off specifically for baked goods. But if it was like, I have some on my on my website, I have um, a chocolate mousse recipe, and I have a a peach cobbler recipe. Those are kind of wet recipes. You can always add more sweetener to that. But if it was something dry, like a cookie or a cupcake, I don't know. It might make it off. I'm not a baker though, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> No, me neither. My daughter wants to be a baker, but I'll, I'll leave it to her to work it out, I think. Oh, I can't imagine. I always look at like people that are professional bakers and I just think, how do you cook all that? How do you eat all that all the time? Like, I can't even imagine how horrible yeah. I would feel. <laughs> Yeah. So what is your favorite like sweetener to use? Cause I usually recommend raw honey, dark maple syrup, stevia, or monk fruit sweetener. Do you have any of those that you like? Yeah. So I think maples are my favorite go-to. Um, stevia, I find it a little bit bitter because mm -hmm. I can taste the bitterness. I think some people it's genetic. You can't taste it. We, you know, you can. And um, I think both my kids can taste it as well. Okay. Um, yeah. So we tend not to use it. And also, um I just prefer using a natural sweetener so I yeah. stick to the maple but sometimes honey as well mm -hmm. yeah awesome yeah I didn't know that about stevia because I definitely don't taste the bitter part of that so that's interesting <laughs> yeah I wonder it's just some people can taste it and some people can't I, I think oh. it's a, a genetic thing very interesting so what other types of other than um you know candies and sweets have you had any pushback from your kids about like maybe they want to eat fish and chips at a restaurant or are they gluten-free and dairy-free as well? Or how does that work? I tried gluten-free with my son because um, he was at a point where he was ill and we needed to try it out for him. Um, and it was very challenging for me. And I think the, the issue at the time for me was that his nervous system needed regulating as a priority. So for mm. me, um, I had to just give up on it at the time and I thought we'll revisit this when he I constantly educate them on these things so it's more about just having a conversation around it and I, I watched one of your um videos on Instagram and um you were talking about um I think it was about talking to them about food outside of the meal times and um I have a similar approach I sort of talk to them about food and about um 
you know the health benefits of it and you know how it how feeding the good bugs is important and things like that so um yeah we take that approach at the moment but I haven't cut out gluten and also because I wasn't I was at a stage where as a biochemist I wasn't 100% convinced that everybody needed to be off gluten if they had an autoimmune condition um and I delve quite deep into these things so for me it was like okay am I I could either go and get him tested and there are tests available but I'm not 100% sure that these tests are actually accurate either and at the moment do I need to go down that route so I haven't done yet but I'm still on the fence about whether it's the right thing to do or not and I would recommend if you can do it I think it's a great thing to do but I yeah I haven't done it yet I think I mean at least the the approach that we take um is that we don't keep gluten in the house but if we're out at a restaurant and she has a craving for something she can absolutely indulge in that and that just helps us to really regulate when we first started our healing journey we did Monday through Friday at home, three meals a day, we eat flare free. And, and then on the weekends, we could eat whatever we want. And then as my journey progressed, I just, I couldn't eat gluten anymore, even on occasion, you know? So um, now I've been gluten-free for six months officially, like a hundred percent, but I mean, I've been, this is what year eight into my journey. It took me that long to get to that point. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I think it's, um, it's just a constantly ever evolving situation as an autoimmune warrior. Like I even, I, 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 I have not had um, food sensitivity testing done, but I do think that nightshades and grains do cause me inflammation, but I still, I deal with it because it's, it hasn't gotten bad enough to the point where I need to take it out, but that yeah. might be something that I have to address, you know, in the future as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it is a really good thing to do. Um, and um, we haven't been able to do it in our house, but I think mainly because my husband isn't on board. So it's difficult when we've got all the food that they are used to eating still available in the house. I can't get it out of the house because my husband's not on board. And I think some quite a few people find this that they're because they're um, suffering from an autoimmune condition and their partner isn't, they don't necessarily want to take everything out it's it's difficult I I was just speaking to somebody who was telling me that basically her husband doesn't believe like how she feels you know because a lot of the way that we feel is internalized and it's you know the constant joint pain it's the fatigue it's things that maybe you can't see right and so yeah yeah I mean for me it took me getting to the point I was like you where I couldn't walk um but I even still before that, I don't think my husband would have ever been like, I'm not going to not eat that because I want to eat what I want to eat. But he's just a very kind of go with the flow type of person. Yeah, I can't imagine having to have separate meals in the house because your partner's not necessarily on board yet. Mm-hmm. And despite him seeing you struggle with walking and how far you've come since you changed your diet. You know, yeah, so he's very on board for me to do it, but not for himself. He just can't actually take out these things for himself. He's right. very right. rigid in what he eats for breakfast, and you know, um, he's used to having a cereal, and uh, he wants to have um, his bread um, and pizza and things like that when he wants yeah. to have it. So yeah, and most well, things I, I think that too because if they're if the if the spouse isn't physically ill, why would they want to take it away? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, challenging. (laughs) Hey, you. 
Yes, you. Are you interested in transforming your pantry into an anti-inflammatory healing powerhouse so you can set your kids up for a flare-free school year? Then check out my flare-free back-to-school pantry refresh workshop. This is a live one-day webinar that will teach you how to transform your kids' favorite foods, their favorite snacks, their favorite sweet treats into anti-inflammatory flare-free snacks, sweets, and foods. This is going to um, teach you how to navigate the grocery store. You're going to learn how to read the back of an ingredient label and so much more. I'm going to be giving you guys common one-to-one -one pantry substitutions that you can stock your pantry and fridge with so that you can set your kids up for a flare-free school year. And it's completely free. This is taking place virtually via Zoom on um, Saturday, August 19th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I would love to see you in the training. If you're interested in getting three different flare-free school lunch ideas and um, a full grocery list with pictures, brand suggestions, and store locations, definitely come to this amazing free one day training at the link in the show notes. You can find more information on my website, cheflorarodriguez.com forward slash pantry refresh. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about how you help your clients um, and what services you offer? Yeah, so um, I'm a health coach and um, I work sort of on a one-to-one -one basis with people, basically looking at whatever health challenges they're going through at the time um, and tailoring a program that works for them. Um, so I've worked with people who just want to improve joint pain, um, who've had some sort of traumatic events in life and um, that sort of triggered their autoimmune condition and maybe they need some to do some work around that and maybe just talk things through mm -hmm. um as well as work through um the food and um staying on track with whatever lifestyle um they they want to have um so I, I make suggestions I educate um and I support as well through the journey um yeah and we look at the food we look at um mindset nutrition you know the lifestyle everything so yeah wow that's fantastic I think it's so wonderful. You'll like, if you listen to more of my podcast episodes, you'll notice there's like a running theme. And that is that yeah. people who have been diagnosed with autoimmunity and put in a lot of work to heal themselves, mm -hmm. always want to help other people do the same thing. And yes. it's like, <laughs> we just want to help people because I think there's power in our story and sharing what has happened to us, because if you can't see that it's possible, then you don't know that it's possible. Right. So yeah, it's so absolutely. important for us to share our message with other people so they know what's possible for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been wonderful. Did you have any other, any other issues around food or kids that you wanted to um, talk through or discuss? Um, well, I mean, I think um, when you're at the in-laws, for example, like, what, what's your strategy? I'd love to know if you've got strategies for that. Yeah, so <laughs> um, my mom usually comes here. Mm -hmm. And so that's a little bit different because I can control what I feed her when she's here. But my mom is always bringing stuff, right? So I'll kind of look at it. And honestly, my mom has gotten really good over the years. She'll bring a lot of like gluten-free snacks, a lot of sugar-free snacks, which is awesome. Um, 
but I will look through what she brings and just kind of select what I want my daughter to have. But in general, the way that I approach it is that, well, for me, because we live out of state. So grandma and grandpa aren't here every day, right? So if your grandparents are coming over every single day or you go to grandparents' house every weekend, that can be problematic. You might have to really put your foot down and say, I just don't allow them to have that or they're not going to eat that today or however you want to phrase it. You don't have to worry about being so gentle to a certain degree because the more stern you are and matter of fact, and just honestly, the way that I do it is without emotion, because if you take the emotion out of it, it's just kind of a factual thing. Yeah. Oh, I don't feed them that anymore. Or he's not going to have that today. We're going to have something else, whatever, however you want to phrase it, it. It doesn't feel like you're attacking the grandparents. Right. And it doesn't feel like, um, you're shaming them or for their food choices or whatnot, because it's not about that. It's not about good food or bad food, or, you know, grandpa doesn't know anything about healthy food. It's just, this is what I want to serve my kids. Yeah. This is what Mm -hmm. I eat. Yeah. This is what I want for my kids future. And this is what I want for my future, because at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, you're the one that's going to have to take your kids to the hospital and pay for their medical bills and, all of that stuff, if they were to come down with, you know, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis or something within the next 10 years. So it's not grandma and grandpa's duty to feed your kids. And if they want to offer them something on occasion, they can have whatever it is on occasion, but that's what it is. It's going to be, um, you know, if, if she, if my daughter goes away for the weekend with my, with my mom, I tell her, you know, she can have whatever she wants. Um, but when she comes back, she's going to, mommy's not going to have chocolate milk, you know, mommy's not going to have cookies all over the place. So I, I preemptively, prep her for that so that she understands that this is a one time this weekend right now type of deal. This is not mommy's going to have Twizzlers all the time, you know? Um, and there won't be juice boxes when you come back, you know, whatever, whatever the things are. And, uh, it just takes a lot of consistency, a lot of coaching and honestly working more on the kids, leaving grandpa, grandpa out of it so that we don't have that kind of emotional response. And then, um, letting them adult indulge with to some degree on occasion so that they can feel like normal kids as well I think that's really important yeah you make an important point there Laura I think they actually start to develop their own palate as well and Mm -hmm. and over time they don't like the sweeter stuff is what I've noticed because they're so used to eating the good stuff that they actually recognize that as being better for them and they they feel good when they're eating it they enjoy it um you know my daughter and they're not going to come back from the weekend and like not want to eat the food that you have they're still going to like that stuff too it's not going to completely yeah. derail everything you've done totally yeah I, I've You're noticed your daughter that. yeah my daughter just today um surprised me but I gave her like a bag of different sweets as options and they were all sweets that I wouldn't particularly want her to eat you know like a crunchy bar I don't know if you have them in the U.S. Um, but it's like a honeycomb bar with um, chocolate over the top of it and um, they're like a Cadbury's cream egg which is just filled with like this fondant that one I know that one I know (laughs) she didn't want that she was like no I don't like that I don't like that so it was great she didn't take a single thing from there and she actually went and got herself a healthier snack from the fridge it was just a yogurt um, with a little bit of fruit I thought great you know she's she's learning for herself and uh, yeah they eat sushi um she loves sauerkraut so I don't have to work as hard as 
Yeah, you had mentioned in our messages that you were like, I, I think my kids are doing great compared to most other kids. But it's these little times, like, for example, um, my daughter wants to enroll in aftercare for school. She doesn't need to. Mom and dad don't work that late. It, she just wants to go because she's an only child. And some of her friends are there and she thinks it'd be fun to go to, you know, aftercare after school for a few hours. And at first I was like, oh, they're going to, it says that they, they offer them a free snack every day. And I'm like, oh, I don't want her to have those snacks. Yeah. But then I was like, if she really wants to go to aftercare so that she can play with her friends after school, we'll just pack her an extra snack and she can eat her snack. And the way that I approach that is that I give her like the really good snacks when she's at yeah. school, because she's going to have her friends that are eating Takis and Doritos and all these other things that she doesn't get to have. So instead of sending her with seaweed, which she loves, by the way, I'll send her with, you know, the cheesy almond flour crackers or um, mm. maybe even a granola bar, which we don't allow her to eat that for breakfast. We allow her to eat it as a, like a, as a dessert, but I might even send her with something like that, which I think a granola bar is it's junk. It's junk food. You know, it has so much sugar in it. Um, and so I, I, I even still to this day have to coach myself, you know, at first my reaction is, Oh, I don't want her to go to aftercare because of the snacks. Yeah. Cause then she's going to come home crazy with an attitude and she might be on a roller coaster from whatever, cause you don't know what they're going to give them. She went to, right. um, she went to summer camp for one week and then she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too much like school. I just want to have a good summer and be free. So I was like, okay, fine. We'll take you out. She went mm -hmm. to summer camp for one week and what they served them for breakfast. And this is another thing I decided I'm going to let her eat the breakfast and lunch with everybody else. So she doesn't feel like she's missing out every single day at summer camp. And they served them donuts oh, and wow. something else for breakfast. And I was like, and so then after two days, I was like, okay, we're packing you your, your lunch and you're not, you're yeah. eating breakfast at home. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. So you have to like use your judgment and, and, but also learn to let go of what you can, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, when we're not with our kids, like so often they're going to make the right choice. You know, mm, my daughter yeah. will come home and say that she ate, I'll be, you know, I'll just, I'll say, Oh, what'd you have today at your play date? And she'll tell me that she ate salad with carrots and this and that, and you know, a corn dog or whatever. Like if there's vegetables on the buffet, she'll always eat those too, which I think is a huge win as a parent. So you're doing great. <laughs> You're yeah. Doing so good. <laughs> yeah, I tried to tell myself that. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's hard when you know that the consequences for yourself and how much difference it's made and, and to take those things out. Um, but yeah, and the thing is that our kids aren't sick yet, right? So if it got to the point where they were sick, then we'd have to pull back and be a little bit more restrictive. Mm. But right now their immune systems can handle it, right? Especially if they are eating high quality food at home and maybe we're giving them their multivitamin and their vitamin C and their elderberry and whatever we, you know, give them to supplement as well, their fish oil, what have you. So mm. I think, I think kids can handle a lot more than, than we think it is important to be mindful of their future. Cause we don't want to give them what we have. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think you're doing great. I really do. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And you too, I think it's wonderful that you're doing all of this work and sharing it with the world as well, because we, we need more people like you out there showing us how to do it and how to do it well. Yeah. Um, 
and you know things like batch cooking and and all of those skills that people really need and value I think are very important right now yeah it's so helpful um I just think that you know I don't know I just feel like what else can I do if I don't share it it's you know it's all about helping other people I feel like I've always had and an eagerness to help others so this is one small way that I can do that so yeah and I'm sure you're doing it very well <laughs> I'm trying every day I try well thank you so much it's been wonderful I really look forward to learning more about you and following you online now that we're friends and stuff so I definitely keep in touch and I'd love to have you back on the podcast in the future and see how things are going I think your story is going to be so inspirational coming from the pharmaceutical industry and then healing from within and now helping autoimmune warriors do the same it is just like so good oh well, thank you so much laura i'm really looking forward to seeing more of your content and actually implementing it in my household too because there's you know so much that i can learn from watching what you're doing as well so thank yes, you keep it posted i want to hear all about the little the next time they come home from grandma and grandpa's house <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. I will let you know. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining me for another episode of Edible Rx, the podcast that teaches autoimmune warriors to use anti-inflammatory food as medicine. I'm Laura Rodriguez, holistic chef, autoimmune warrior, backyard farmer. Until next time, guys, eat your damn vegetables. Bye.